So during Lent for the next five weeks, we're going to be thinking about worship and liturgy. And to help us do that, we're going to be using a short little book called Central Things by Gordon Lathrop. Gordon Lathrop used to teach liturgy at the Lutheran Seminary down in Philadelphia, and he's one of the best thinkers and writers that we have on worship. Not so much on the mechanics of worship, but of helping illuminate what our worship says about God. So to ask the obvious question, why do we do what we do in worship? What are the central things of our liturgical life? In the introduction of the book, Lathrop suggests that a Lutheran answer to that question might be that the central things in worship are the things that make it possible to believe in God at all. So the central things in our worship are the things that make it possible to believe in God, or the things that create faith. This is interesting because there's a lot of talk in the church about hospitality, about what it means to be hospitable, welcoming, and open, and inviting. And part of Lathrop's argument is that being hospitable, being inviting, being open, isn't just about being nice or being friendly. It's about being clear about what we believe, which means giving the central things in our theology a central place in our liturgical practices. So welcoming someone into the community doesn't just mean welcoming them into a program or a tradition or even a community, but welcoming them into a community that's formed around the central things of our life together. The shorthand for those central things is often called word and sacrament. And since Vatican II, which was the major Catholic conference of the 1960s, there's been a movement toward recentering word and sacrament in our worship. So what are some tangible examples of that? One example is the use of a lectionary, so that the churches are gathered around the same readings in their worship every week. Another is the celebration of baptisms in the midst of a community, not just done privately. And the most common example is the celebration of the Eucharist weekly, instead of monthly or even quarterly, as it's done in some churches. Weekly communion is now the norm in most ELCA churches, but 30 years ago it was a minority in most of our churches. So Lathrop's argument is that the, cent so Lathrop's argument is that the central things of Christian worship are an open and participating community gathered on the Lord's Day in song and prayer, around the scriptures read and preached, around the baptismal washing enacted or remembered, around the Holy Supper, and around the sending to a needy world. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be drawing out the meaning of that statement. There's a lot of meaning packed into it. But for now, here are three questions to kind of frame your thinking on this. The first is, why is it actually these things that are essential to Christian worship? Second is a deceptively simple question. What are these things? What is essential to doing them? And third, what would happen if these central things were, in fact, truly central in our worship? So why are they essential? What is essential within those practices? And how does our worship change if they're made central? Before we get into specifics next week, it's worth pausing for a second to think about what worship is. Worship usually has a connotation of offering something to God. But in the Lutheran tradition, worship is a service that God renders to any and all who come. So worship is upside down. Our worship is the means by which God creates faith and proclaims old promises anew. And while there's been a recent shift toward putting word and sacrament in the center of our liturgical life, the central things go back to the very early church. Justin Martyr, a second century layperson, once wrote about what happened in Christian worship. And he said it was a remembrance of baptism, scripture reading, 
preaching and intercessions, giving thanks at the table, communion and ascending of aid to the poor and sick. And if you look at the liturgy in the Lutheran Church today, you'll notice it's basically the same. We have 10 settings of the Mass in our hymnal Evangelical Lutheran worship, but they all have the same basic pattern to them. We gather in song and prayer, confessing our need for God. We read the scriptures and preach them. We profess our faith and pray for the world and seal our prayers with a sign of peace. We gather for an offering for the poor in the mission of the church. We set a table with bread and wine and give thanks and praise to God and eat and drink. And we hear the blessing of God and are sent into mission in the world. But in all of these actions, it is God who is the active one. God gives faith, forgiveness of sins, and new life through the word and sacraments. This is worth noting because it's not the way that much of Christian worship works in the United States right now. Going back to the Second Great Awakening, which was a movement of religious revival in the early 19th century, the individual has often been placed at the center of Christian worship. They used to have these things called camp meetings, where preachers would preach about the need for personal conversion and your own need to accept Christ as your personal Savior. And even after this revival movement died off, the theology stayed embedded in many of our traditions. It's especially true in Baptist and Methodist churches. The Lutheran theology flips that model on its head. So worship is about the grace of God being proclaimed and enacted in worship, not about our own individual choices. To put it very briefly, it's about God's decision, not about our decision. Next week, we'll get into specifics as we talk about the role of the word and the prayers in our worship together.